And time now to join Alita Robinson and Pastor Samuel of A Reasonable Christianity. When the load is hard to bear And the fog of fear envelops you Let me be that friend to share In the pain that you are walking through When you stumble on this narrow road And it feels like you're forsaken There is one thing that is sure to hold I am here for you Well, we are here for you. (laughs) That was a nice little musical interlude as we got ourselves set up today. How are you, Samuel? I am well. How are you going? Uh, I'm going very, very well. Praise Jesus. So I'm sorry you guys missed out on that little bit of a song, but yeah, got a taste of it. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little little winny bit. Yeah, we're here for uh, for other things. And um, it is good to be back in uh, the studio again today. We are still continuing on our conversations around... The Ten, Ten Commandments. That's right. That's and, right. And uh, this week we're doing part two of Commandment number five. That's right. That's right. Which is honour. Yes, honour your father and mother is what we're looking at. And um, you know, I don't know if if our listeners uh, will remember uh, where we were uh, last time. A few things that we did uh, start by mentioning, which were that when the Bible says uh, honour is because. Uh, it, it means to give the respect, the value, the set price, the set worth that is due to the parents. And now, those who remember, I did say that um, the Bible doesn't actually say that children should love their parents. Um, in this really strictly biblical sense. Mm, which um, I think was, would probably have been a surprise. <laughs> exactly, because the Bible says love your enemies. It says, you know, uh, love your neighbor. But the Bible doesn't command to children to love their parents. No. And it might sound a bit weird because we have a certain definition of love now, unfortunately, which is basically being, you know, overrun by the Greek concept of love. Mm. And the Greek concept of love we have is actually that we have taken it only in one aspect. When you, every Bible reader who reads the Bible in Greek will find that the Bible uses, at least I did say last time, these four terminologies in terms of uh, what love is. You've got, you know, uh, eros, everybody knows the erotic love, feeling-based love, right? Feeling, and it seems like it's the most dominant now. Everything is feeling. You know, even when you, you know, it's not just feeling, you know, erotically, but just simply feeling based. That whatever my brother or my sister or, or my neighbor does to me, unless it feels good, it can't be love. It's, it's just a very bizarre, twisted version of love, what love is. Yes. Because the person who loves you can actually pull you away from it from danger, but pulling you away really hurts. Mm. But they do so because they love you. So the idea that love is just if you do something that I feel good about is so misguided, it's not funny. Yes, and it's better to be hurt a little That's than right. to die in the process. That's right. So uh, in that sense, so you've got eros, then you've got storge, and you've got 
Filio, and then you've got Agapao or Agape, as it is, you know, um, uh, read in Greek. Now, but in Hebrews, the terminology is one. There's one, just one uh, terminology for uh, for love is Aheva, uh, which means to self-sacrificially give to one, to someone, mm. for the greater good. So the direction of the giving is for the greater good. Now, we say greater good today, and we think, oh, each person's got to, we, we're relativistic in our heads. You know, we, we determine what is the greater good. No, God is the good. Everything else may be relative, but God is absolutely the good. So whatever giving anybody gives to anyone, so long as it directs them to the good, which is God, in which way? In, you know, in living by God's moral standard, in living by God's prescribed best way to live, to interact with others, then one has loved the other. So in that sense, uh, children are required to love their neighbors, to love, like Scripture prescribed for everybody, to love their brothers and sisters. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, they have to love yourself. That's right. Yeah. And to love their enemies, but to honor their parents. Mm. Because the level of self-sacrificial giving the parents do or give to their children is inbuilt. It's like it's so inbuilt. That even if after the child is born, the parents don't want to self-sacrificially give, the very idea of a conceiving of a child is an act of self-sacrificial giving. Okay. Think about it this way. What, I mean, moms will understand this. You know, how, what level of sacrifice do you think moms go through to be pregnant for nine months? Oh, yes. Well, my daughter's going through that at the moment. That's right. <laughs> and the sacrifice is got to push the baby up. Yes. I'm telling you, I've, I've seen my wife, you know, sometimes she lies on one side when she was pregnant. You know, lie on one side, it's uncomfortable. The other side, it's uncomfortable. She can't lie on her back. You know, a, a diet changes, you know, sometimes it's morning sicknesses for three months. I know people have done morning sicknesses for nine months. Mm. Couldn't keep anything down just to have a child. Yeah. And for the child to honor their parents is to recognize that for them to be conceived and to be born and to actually be reared, to even being able now to look after themselves, it's a huge sacrifice on the part of the parent. Mm. And to fail to recognize that, it, you can say, well, but the, my parents didn't love me, didn't do this. Well, yes, God will judge them. But to fail to recognize that they went through that sacrifice to have you, for you to even be here talking, is absolutely to dishonor them. Because mm. some of these things, God already set them. Now, when you're born, they may choose or not choose to, to continue to sacrifice themselves for you, but they already have. Number two, you are your genetic material. Your very existence, your, it is due to your parent. Mm -hmm. you, you don't exist necessarily. You don't exist. It didn't have to be you. Could yeah. have been another kid. Yeah. So the fact that you're even here to talk, you should be grateful that actually you came through. So in that sense, uh, honor uh, is what children do. You honor your parents. And to honor means to respect, to obey when you're in the age of obedience. Okay, the age of obedience is when the parents, which is the number three I made last time, Everything that you know about life 
from young age, the first word you spoke out of your mouth is because of whatever you lang- the language your parents spoke. Yes. You knew that this is a fork, that is a knife. You knew that this is fire, this is dirt, because your parents taught you that. So if you just look at, I'm, I'm just going factually here, that your parents is already, have already given to you a lot before you have even have an opinion. Yes, that's true. And it's lovely to watch the lights go on in, in a little child's mind as they learn new things and they learn how to communicate. That's right. I've got that with my grandson at the moment. And it is just, it's, it's absolutely beautiful yeah. to watch them put it all together. And That's then, right. And then act on it before they even know how to read the words. That's right. Or how to speak the words properly. That's right. Mm. And so you've got these things that the parents do give self-sacrificially and therefore children to honour is to recognise that. Mm. You know, mum, you may not have been the most perfect mum. I may not be happy with you, everything you do every day. But it is because of you that I'm alive. It is because of you that I've been able to learn the first few words out of what I could speak of uh, because of you, because of your dad. Okay? In that sense, we need to learn to honor our parents. Mm. But then I wanted to go uh, back to that, uh, that biblical text again to make uh, some, some interesting point. You see, when you're reading your Bible, there are things that are assumed that, interesting enough, because we're so removed from the culture of the people who received it, yes. that we have some of our own twisted concepts, and that now these things need to be explained. It's just weird. Mm. When you read that text, one of the things that was obvious that God didn't have to say it is the establishment of the first building block of society, mm. the family yeah, I said that last time. Yes. So when, uh, you know, the Bible says, uh, you know, honor your father and mother, guess what the Bible is establishing here? The Bible is establishing that the first unit, that under natural law, I'm saying under natural law, mm-hmm. no assistance from anything, anyone else, no mechanistic, no machinery, nothing under natural law. This is the only way, under natural law, that children enter the world. Mm. That's why parents represent God in the life of their children. Because they are your progenitors. They're the one who introduced you in the world. Mm. And the place where children enter the world, the first unit that children get to know as they enter the world is the family. Yeah. And that family is made of Mother, father, and child. Mm. That is the natural, according to natural law, that is the family. Anything else could be mimicking if it continues to follow God's law or anything else out of that is fabrication. I am literally saying it is human fabrication. It's human prideful fabrication. Mm. The definition, there is no other definition of family than father and mother and child. I want to insist this significantly because of the direction our societies have been taking. Where we can just think that we of today, you know, a couple of hundred years we've been here. We now, and over the last just 10 years or so, we have developed the all-knowing wisdom of being able to define 
what a family is. Or redefine what a family is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or redefine even what a marriage is. Yep. We've, it's quite, it is quite extraordinary. It's the height of arrogance and pride. Well, it's called pride. Mm. That we think we can actually, you know, change the natural order. But we do it out of arrogance. Mm. We do it while we know what is true. This is why the book of Romans says, while knowing truth, people actually refuse, deny, they obscure the truth. Mm. The way we've done it is, we, took, we take little few exceptions. Then we want to establish the rule based on exception. You don't do that. Say, for example, uh, you know, a sister uh, and a brother who were not married raised a, their little brother or little sister. Or a stranger you know, raised a child and because the parents were abusive. You get sort of isolated incidents. When, if you take a survey across the Australian landscape, statistically, families where father and mother and their children and all raised really well and stable and so on and so forth, it is the largest percentage of our society. Then you get few cases where the parents were, maybe they were, uh, um, you know, they, they were abusive. And the children have been taken out, put in foster care. Someone else raised that child. Mm. Or, you know, the child was, you know, adopted and raised. And then we start to think, well, if an adopted child could be raised by that, and they felt everything that was felt in terms of care. Yeah. To care. Yeah. Okay? Give them an opportunity to go to university, to study, and so on and so forth, so they become an adjusted citizen. Therefore... That situation gives us the permission to redefine that was in the natural law. Oh, no, no. You hear people saying nonsensical things like, our family is not just biology. Well, that's what it is. Because it is not, there will be no child to foster if there were no biology. You don't remove the first fundamental principle. And especially because where we're still living now, generally, the first fundamental principle is we're still working right now in the majority. Mm. So instead of recognizing when in those small instances some events happen, which you can stage if a parent fails now, it's because they were failed by their parents, who probably were failed by their parents, or somebody made somewhere a wrong decision to start not following their parents' instructions because they're free, and then they turn out to be bad parents. So these are small, isolated incidences. Instead of recognizing, okay, these are the exceptions, but the family is that. Whatever we do to try and help the people who have found themselves in this unfortunate situation is mimicking or establishing something that could at least mimic the natural family so that they can be raised in it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think people listening to this uh, have got a whole range of different ideas probably. Yes. Um, because obviously there are families where one parent may have passed away, so you've got a family that's just one parent and the child or one parent and more cho- number of children. So you haven't got... But you're, you're actually going back to the fundamental beginning. You need a male sperm and a female egg to create a child and that mother, father, child is a family. But within the context of... The way people live in families at the moment, you've got single parent families, you've got um, families where uh, people haven't even been married. Um, So 
those sorts of things, it blurs it all for some people, not for everybody, for some people. And then out of that, some of those other exceptions that you're talking about can come um, regarding abuse, disappointment, the things that, that, that parents sort of are thinking about in their minds um, that may lead them to neglect a child or, or uh, want to get rid of a child or, or really it, take no interest in the child. And so people that have lived, up in the, lived in those sorts of family situations probably wouldn't look at it so much as a family, would they? Yes. Now, you've made, absolutely made my point by clarifying those things. What I'm saying here is there will not be a human child unless the biological yes, process. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Even when you meet single-parent families, yeah. there is actually not anything called a single-parent family. I mean, one person is caring for the child. The other one is abandon their responsibility or they are separated and they are not, you know, sort of in good terms to continue to rear the child together in an orderly way. Mm. But there is not one single person who has conceived single-handedly by themselves. No, that's right. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, that's right. So there is no, no, no time at which there's been a child entered into the world without the natural law natural mechanistic law. Even when we've done assisted with, with the, all our technology today, which is a small sample, uh, it still requires a sperm from a man, from a man yeah. and an egg. For, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, By exactly. saying natural law. So what I'm saying is when you look at, take a survey across the 7.5 billion people on earth, the percentage of one, even, even here in the West, the percentage of single family children is smaller part of, uh, considered compared to the percentage of people who are still into two parents' families. Yes. What I'm saying is, what you're observing is the breakdown of the family. Yes. Breakdown of the original intent of mm. God. We're looking at the law of God here. How yes. to build good society. God gave these Ten Commandments as the way to build the ideal society. Yeah. In an ideal society, children come into the world after marriage of the parent. Mm -hmm. This is why when we come to, you know, commandment number uh, seven, uh, you know, six is don't commit adultery, uh, um, murder, seven is don't commit adultery. And so when we start to go to commandment number seven and eight and so on and so forth, you're going to start finding out that this commandment here was the beginning of the establishment of human society. Mm. Yeah. So uh, in that sense... This commandment establishes whatever is going to happen afterward in human relations. Yep. That's why you start by establishing the family. Parents, father and mother, in the bond of marriage, that's where children are born. And that is how the natural law works and has worked across human society until two minutes ago. Now, you know, the sexual revolution in, in the West, 1950s, 60s, if you will. Yeah. It's been only some 60 years that we've basically deliberately introduced this mess. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, a little bit more because I've got a couple of things to say about that too. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to actually listen to the whole song that we sort of semi-started with. This is Stuart Townsend <laughs> with "I Am Here for You," featuring Emma Townsend. When the load is hard to bear and the fog of fear envelops you, let me be that friend to share in the pain. That you are walking through When you stumble on this narrow road And it feels like you're forsaken 
Listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice, and we are discussing the family as part of our um, our ongoing teaching on the Ten Commandments yeah. and on the Fifth Commandment to honour your parents. That's right. And we were launching into this whole thing, you know, the last 50 or so years. Yes. We've sort of redefined, and this is the thing I think is hilarious. Um, we have become so enlightened, apparently. That's right. That we can redefine absolutely everything, everything. because we know what we're doing. But oh, yeah. for thousands, and if you're if you're thinking like a, a person who doesn't believe, for millions of years, humans have worked in this, but now we've come to a place in yeah. society where we have decided we are going to do our own thing. Um, yeah. But... I suppose if you look at even biblical history, um, around Noah's time, things like this were happening as well. Mm. Um, so it's not necessarily a new thing that has happened in, in, in the world as we go, but God has obviously got very, very strong boundaries around this because right. the world was destroyed except for Noah and in Noah's day, and we are heading down the same path. And I think right. that that is, well, it's... It's not really a good thing, is it? Yeah. We, we are so special that mm, yeah. even what is special about us, it's not our capacity to think logically and straight and read down the tube of history and see how others know. Our specialty is how we feel is all that matters. Yeah. So we can redefine everything today by how we feel. Mm. Our feelings are so majestic that they have to absolutely be honored. Yeah. All right? So as, as I was saying that 
Think about it this, this way. Societies are made of people. I'm telling me, just, I'm, I'm just going to be as, like, as all the way low to as down as I can go. Without human beings, you have no society. No. Just go in the bush. There's no one there. Mm. You can't say, well, oh, we've got a great society here. People are like, what are you talking about? Societies are made of humans. Humans come from where? From other humans. And if you go back enough, at least from a biblical point of view, one pair, from one pair, Act chapter 17, from one pair, God introduced all the ethnos, ethnic groups of people across the world. Now, geneticists have actually established that, yes, all the genetic material you can look at, it always go all the way to what is called a bottleneck. So there is the recognition that Homo sapiens uh, have all the genetic ma- ma- materials, you know, basically converge toward a bottleneck where everything originated from there. So the geneticists have started to establish that now. Mm-hmm. So you need a parent two parents to get a child in the world. That's it. Just biological, mechanistically, natural law. No child has ever been conceived by one, apart from Jesus, by your, your um, I was, I was going to say immaculate conception. No, it's by virgin birth. Yeah. Those two different things. Okay. So, um, but to have those humans, you need the pair. Now, God ideal design because that's exactly what it takes. If, just ask the people who are, if, if we, if we didn't have something that I'm going to be addressing uh, later on, this, which is actually messed up our, our society where the state want to become the parent. Mm-hmm. The state, in our, in, 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 in our day and age, the state has gone from not only wanting to be a parent, the state want to be God and determine the doctrines, mm. the fundamental doctrines. What is the doctrine? The doctrine is a fundamental teaching that is held by a given group of people by which that group live. And that is recognized to be so fundamental that deviating from it, that group will cease to exist. Mm. So. The Christian church has got fundamental doctrine about the family. Yeah. Fundamental teaching that says the human race is made of a pair of male and female. They come together in the bond of marriage and they have children. Mm. And they have to rear and raise those children so the children can learn from them how to duplicate, to do exactly what they did. Become responsible. The man looks after his family by providing Mm-hmm. materially and by providing safety all right mm-hmm. and so and by providing leadership the moral ground upon which the children get to grow the uh, you know the role model that children have to have in front of them in in terms of courage leadership and the you know the the, the teaching on morality is the duty of the male now i'm not saying that the female doesn't do the same she does, but man shows leadership in this area. That's what he has to do. He has to show leadership. Guess what she does? She does already from the beginning what he can't do. She conceives the child. Mm. She bears the child. I don't, it, it doesn't matter how much he wants to, he cannot. Mm. He does not have the equipment to have that. Yeah. He can't carry the child. Mm. Like, as I am, 
doesn't matter. I mean, we, we live in a society where today we think our psychological state, how I think my subjective experience can turn me into a mother. No. Mm-hmm. I don't have the equipment in me to bear a child in my womb. I don't have the equipment, biologically. Natural law, I'm insisting. Mm. So she bears the child. She rears the child. When the child is born, guess who breastfeeds the child? Mm. The father can't do it. So he has to, therefore, his duty is not just simply that he goes and gets a breast. So you see these days where you have fathers who are basically equivalent of their children mentally. You see, you are... You are not only biology, you know, there is to you, there is the, your biology, okay? And there is your soul, I can say your psychology, your other inner self, okay? Your psyche. You can have somebody who is biologically big enough to actually have seeds that will bring about a child in the world, but they don't have the maturity psychologically, maturity internally to be able to rear a child. You see what I mean? Because human beings are not just simply bare biology. Human beings are also a soul. You've got a body, you're a soul, you've got a soul, and you are a spirit. So what the, the parent, the father does is to not only grow physically. The growth physical is that keep feeding somebody some food. Their body will continue to shoot up. But if you don't feed them so that their mind and their emotional self and their will will mature, then you have a situation of a child mentally and emotionally and in the will having another child because they have the biological capacity to have a child but they don't have the soul capacity to raise to have a child so you're not necessarily you're not talking about mental illness you're talking about no 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 about no, no. somebody who who is very 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 naive and and has not really been taught the fundamentals yeah. and has really been left to their own devices i mean not naive you can out. see today somebody who's very good they've been they've gone to school they've learned a trade they can go out there and do plumbing or do whatever they can do it really well but when they come home they have they don't know what to do in raising the children think about what i found really interesting see in the state of nature, parent taught their children how to become parent. Mm. All right? Yeah. And that's how it used to be. In our, what we call, we call primitive societies today, there are ceremonies. You know, in, in, in the Jewish culture, there were ceremonies of coming, coming of age. Coming of age, yes. Yeah, people, some people still do a lot of that. We don't have those. We are so, so, so evolved. We don't have any of that. We wrap our kids up in cotton wool and don't teach them how to do. What something. we do is we send them to educational institutions yeah. to, to, to you know you go and learn nursing, you learn you know to become a lawyer, you know all, all that stuff. And guess how many years they have to go through that to learn that? You start from the time when you go to kindergarten. You're probably three year kinder, four year kinder, five you get prep. You now first year of school, all the year to have, and then you're gonna do maybe three to five more years. Before you get a degree, you have a certificate to show that I have actually acquired enough knowledge to be able to get into a certain trade. Mm -hmm. But how many years do parents deliberately say, this is what parenting is like. This is what is, this is how you grow mentally. This is how you grow in the will. No, what we've actually done is parents now leave the children to be reared by the schools. Yeah. It is not the job of the school to teach morality to your children. 
No. It's not the job of the state to teach morality to your children. Mm. It is your duty to teach your children the difference between how you can react emotionally in this situation and that one, how you can differentiate what is right from what is wrong. And if so, that was taught to you by your parents. And it goes all the way to you learn it from God, who is the source of all morals, and then you teach it to your children. That's how God set things in place. Mm. Yeah. So this is why the reason the rise of single parenthood uh, is is a consequence of that, mm. where people who were probably not mature enough to be able to engage into the building up of a family, just they were biologically big enough, they got involved because the body and all its feelings and the desire to engage sexually was there. They got in there, but they didn't have the maturity to love each other sacrificially. Mm. So they've had a child, and the two can't work together, and then that's it. So what I'm saying here is that failing to follow God's established ideal is the source of all the mayhem that we are observing right now. Yes, that's true. And so in that sense, so you want to therefore see that as we move into this direction, uh, we get, you get to see uh, what it takes for us to be able to build this bedrock of society. All right? Yeah. Bedrock of society. So, um, what was I therefore saying? So, family is the ideal. It's the only environment for reproduction. That's number one. Mm-hmm. But remember that. Number two, family is the bedrock of society. I said societies are made of people. People come from parents. If parents were mature enough and stayed together to grow, in, uh, grow their children and becoming parents, we will have this duplication. Yeah. Okay, number three, societies are as strong as the families that make them. Mm. This is why it is alarming to watch how society deliberately dismantle the family unit by redefining it in the most absurd terms. Yes. Now, there are a number of uh, you know, historians that have studied history and say most of the, I was saying it last, last um, uh, Sunday, there was study that most societies, the Roman society, the Greeks, the Persians, this society collapsed because of the dismantling of the, of the family. Mm. We are watching with our own eyes, not only the dismantling of the society, but also the dismantling of the human identity that only family can confer. Because mm. once you look at your mom and dad, and they are the one who have given birth to you, it's only two categories. When you come as a child in the world, there's only these two. There's no third category. No. There's no fourth. There's no hundred categories of what you can identify as. Mm. You emulate those directly. And so, number three, I say that family are as strong as, uh, society is as strong as the family that makes them. This, I found this interesting point from uh, Dr. Miles Monroe, uh, who was, you know, making these points. I thought these, these are worth mentioning. So, number four. See, what happens in the family whether we like it or not, we'll then end up starting to spread into society. I've got another point that I was, I'm going to make, but I'll probably make that particular point uh, when, when we, when we, we get come to back. the next. Yes, uh, that's I right. think that will be a good idea. That's right, that's right. All right, here's Vance Joy with We're Going Home. Under the surface You don't know what you'll find Mm -hmm. Until it's your time 
No second chances, but all we can do is try. Mm -hmm. I made up my mind. I can't see you, but I hear your call, baby. Hold on now. We're going home. If we make it all, we don't, we won't be alone. When I see you light shine, I know I'm home. If you're waiting all your life, you won't ever go. When I see you light shine. simple and hard to ignore they say mm, the truth is like that we're getting colder so far from the shore I say mm, the world is like that I can't see you but I hear your call baby hold on now we're going home to 105.1 Life FM, Benigo's Positive Choice. Samuel, you are running through a number of points. You're up to point number? I am up to point number four. Mm. Now, I was making the point that, you know, honour is the principle by which one receives. You receive from the one you honour. Yeah. This is why the four first commandment were to do with honouring God. Yes. You receive from God when you honor him. This is why I say, oh no, your parents, so that you will have, live long in the land that the Lord gives you. Now, very often when we the word land, we think, oh, piece of ground. That's what we think. That's not the concept to the Jews. Wherever you go, wherever you go, because God is with you, he gives it to you. This is why he said to Joshua, every place, the sole of your foot, trample, I give it to you. Yeah. So, when we say the land the Lord gives you, the life the Lord gives you. If you're going to have a long life, 
that the Lord gives you, you need to learn the principle of honor. Why? Because children are gifts from God. Remember Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It is God who gives the parents the capacity to bear children. Yes. This is why if God didn't give the capacity to bear children, nobody's going to bear children. Mm. Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth was God's commandment. Let me add an, an element of, of Christian doctrine in here, which goes this way, which is that um, if when God created as the first cause of all things, then he made secondary causes. Okay? He made secondary causes. And these secondary causes, they produce their effect so long as God concurs with, the, with their effect. Okay? Yeah. Now, in that sense, even for a child to be conceived, it takes God to concur. Yes. You see? Yeah. So, in that sense, you get to see that when the Bible literally says children are gifts from God, not every parent should say, I have child. Well, not because I was the most, you know, virulent, I was the most strong. No, it's because children are gifts from God. So, if children are gifts from God, a child who honors their parent receives from God that which God has committed to the parents as a gift for them to have and conceive their own kids. Mm. It is in that process that then you can see that even if your parents didn't do their bit, you can, by receiving from God, bypass what they didn't do right and you'll be able to do what is right by raising your children in God's ways. Yeah. In fact, the reason why people protest away against the way their parents raised them is because deep inside we know that they didn't do the right thing. Mm-hmm. How do we know they didn't do the right thing if there was no right thing to identify to? Yes, exactly. So in that sense, honoring your parents is just recognizing, hey, God bestowed to them the grace to have me, so I'm going to honor them as my honor to God. I will honor them and I'll talk about what honor really look like practically yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that I can therefore receive from God by passing their errors, their mistakes I can receive from, from God the capacity to be able to be a parent myself mm. because very often somebody sins against us and then we sin back in return yes. guess what we do? We therefore end up having multiplied the sin, we have end up multiplying the sin and guess what? Sin multiplied is not righteousness, is it? No. That's right. So the way to stay in the ways of God is to continue to honor your parents, even if they are sinning by not doing what God has prescribes as responsible. Here's some, another thing I wanted to add. See, today we have this standard that we've set about maturity in our society. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, Alita. I'll ask you this question and see whether you may be able to figure this out. What is the age of maturity in Australia? What, when, what age do we consider, you know, our younger, youngest teenagers and stuff? What, what age do we say where they're now mature? Mm. Well, that could be a number. Legally, of, legally. Legally, I think it's 18. 18. It? That's yeah. it. When we say they're allowed to leave home at 15, though. Yeah, so okay. It's all a bit confusing, isn't it? What are they mature in? What have they matured in? Well, nothing in particular. They've just aged. Yeah, but actually not, because if, if you notice our society, we say they mature because they are now allowed to do certain things that adults do. Drink, Drink smoke, vote. vote, or engage sexually. Yeah. Right? Yes. 
That's what we are aiming. The maturity. Okay, they can work on a. Yeah, they can go and do a job, earn money, cash. But that's what we. Okay, what would you say if you saw a 16 years old girl getting married? Yes, people would think that was a bit young. That's right. Mm. Now that's quite interesting. We recognize they are mature at 16, but we recognize they are mature only to do those things that scripture says they shouldn't do. Mm. Free to engage sexually, free to drink, mm. free to smoke. But if you said, let's think, get married, no, they're too young. In other words, we have not matured them for family. Mm. And that's our problem. Our problem here is parents and the society in general have not matured their kids for becoming parents. Mm. So we have therefore deliberately destroyed society. And guess what we've done? Instead of families, we have therefore asked uh, the state, the government, to become the substitute. You see, the state is the product of a family. The family is not the product of the state. No, that's right. How would you get a state if you didn't have a group of families? Yeah, that's true. Mm. In, in this day and age, especially in places like in Victoria, the, the government in Victoria thinks that actually children belong to the schools and the state. Mm. Well, for example, uh, when with, with the, the, the law on you know, transitioning and uh, young teenagers, that if you go on the government's website, the law was passed, which said that sometimes educators can you know, uh, analyze and assess that the children's self-identification and so on and so forth, if it is hindered by the parents, so the school educators can decide, even without consultation with medical professionals, to say that it is in the best interest of the child for the child to move ahead. Mm. What does that tell you? It tells you that the, the, the state has basically taken over the ownership and the custody of the children. How did we get here? People themselves invited it. You see, a society is made of parents who raise their kids. You remember I gave you the text in First Timothy chapter 5, which says, Paul is saying to Timothy, those who are old, consider them like fathers and mothers and, yeah. and so on and so forth. Yeah. If you've got units of families around, and then each family taught their children how to honor their parents and honor anyone else who's of the age of their parents within the society, then you won't have a problem of asking the society to intervene if the children of the neighbors are not basically acting morally the way you would know, right? Mm. Like, I'm sure in the generation where you grew up, where I grew up, I could, I could be doing the wrong thing down the street. And just one of the adults in, in, in our area sees him and says, hey, you, stop doing that. I'm going to tell your parents yeah. that this is what you've been up to. Yeah. But today's parents wouldn't even want to receive any such report. No, leave my kids alone. Mm. Right? So we have not only built an individualistic society, we have dislocated it from its commitment to other families around us so that then... How do you maintain order? You maintain order by inviting politicians to, from the, the ivory towers to make laws according to their moral standards. Well, and the, the silly thing about all of that sort of stuff is, is the political sphere is, is broken up into three and four year pockets. So those people are not even in power for enough time. That's right. Yet, yet a child, a child is a commitment for 20 years at least. That's right. No, no, if they, not longer. No, the child is theirs now. Whatever government comes in, it doesn't the matter. So they chop the and right. change and That's it's right. just, yeah, no, it's, um, so it's totally ridiculous. when God said, honor your parents, it's because you're saying, I want to build a solid societies. Yeah. Society that honor me, 
must learn to honor their parents because by honoring your parents, you know how to honor everyone else who's of your parents' age. Yeah. Anyone who's your age or a little bit older than you who couldn't be your parents, you honor them as a brother or a sister mm. and you honor, you know, honor everybody within society. In that sense, you would not need, you would not need 40,000 laws on our books. No, that's right. We have laws and laws. It's become basically, it's become a career for the politicians to just sit down. Somebody's sitting in the ivory tower and whatever, sometimes it's the reflection of their own terrible childhood. Now they're going to make the law instead of referring themselves to the law of God and saying, what went wrong with my childhood? Mm. Okay, if we're going to do that, there were ways to do it. To teach moral to society, it was not the job of the state. No. The state does not have the moral to teach society. Mm. The state was made of volunteers, people who said, we want to go and serve our community, but who all of them drew their moral standard from the, the bedrock of society itself, which is the family and the family being guided by God, you mm. see? Therefore, when they went to become politicians, they could only legislate according to the moral law of God. This is why Aristotle would say that the law itself must be built on the necessary foundation of morality. And only God is the best explanation for the justification of morality. Mm. All we have apart from God is you said, I say. Yeah, exactly. And so if you said, I say, the people, see, the people now who are in charge over there, they can just simply decide whatever their moral standard is and they're going to impose it on everybody, all of us. Yeah, and it's not only that. I mean, I was watching... Um uh, one of the African leaders who was standing up and saying, well, uh, just because you want us to do something, we have a completely different society and we are not going to do what you're... you're That's right. They're, they're, they're countries are putting trade restrictions on countries because of their, their moral, if you like, stance yeah. on things like... Um, the the whole pride thing and, yes. and uh, anything to do with abortion That's and right. any of those other things. Trampling over their particular moral standards and their rules and regulations and, and the society that they've built That's up right. over thousands of years. Yeah. And, and this brand new society is going to go there and stomp on them. And they're just saying, well, no, which is what we should all be doing. That's right. You know, we, are, we are so compliant with all this rubbish. We should just say no. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, I got a bit angry this That's morning. That's right. So what I'm saying here, you can notice that the brain of, I mean, unfortunately, the brain of the Western society is not really working. We're because lazy. We are really, truly lazy. We are lazy. We're so, we're so focused on the three-minute the three minute grab that we just don't think. We don't think right. any deeper than three minutes, right. and then we're off doing something else. Because think about it. We started by saying, well, look, each person to their own. Your, 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 your morality, my morality, and nobody should impose their morality. And your truth and my truth. And then we, we <laughs> accepted that. Now suddenly we have found this new morality that should be imposed on every human society that has ever lived. You go to all the African Asian societies that have had this way of living moral law that has been for me, including the West used to be like that. Yeah. So we now have discovered this new pride way of living and then we have to go and imp- use our money and use all our might from the West to impose it to all those. Um, that's, this is how the politics play right now. Yeah. You subscribe to this or we won't give you the money. Yeah. Okay? No, uh, yeah, that's exactly right. And that's what they were saying on this particular thing. That's right. Mm. So what do we therefore say? Family secures society. That's number five. Number six, I already said it. Family is the bedrock of society. Number seven, the state is the product of the family. Okay. The death of the family, number eight, is the death of the society itself. Mm. 
Number nine, the state should not replace the family. No. No. Do not let the state dictate how your children should be raised. The school does not raise your children. You do. Yep. To school, they go to learn information so that they can function in a, as, as in a civic society and, and they learn information for careers. They don't learn life, to be honest with you. School doesn't have enough time. Uh, I went to see a school once um, and I chatted with them to say, well, well, okay, well, say for example, primary school. You got my kids, you know, eight, eight, eight hours uh, in a day and I have the rest of the, the day out of 24 hours, 16 of those hours, the child is with me. Yeah. All right? They sleep, they get up, I feed them, I, I teach them. And by the way, they're with you only for six years. How can you, can you think in your mind that you would be the person who's going to communicate morality to my kid? Mm. You are a partner with me. Now, in the past, school used, it used to be easy. The society the same moral standard. So when kids went to school, the teachers had the same moral standard, and so it was easy to navigate. Now, this day and days, yours and mine are different. So now the educators have started to assert their morality about the morality of the parents. Mm. And the state has been backing them up, okay? Because now most of our state schools, guess what? They are state schools. Yeah, and, and the things that um, are fundamental to grow your knowledge of things, like obviously the, the basics, reading, writing and uh, mathematics, but, but you've got the arts, which, which helps build the creativity of the child. Yep. And then you've got history and yep. geography so that yep. you know your, your place in the world, yep. um, you know what's, what's gone before you so you don't make the same mistakes, hopefully. Right. Um, all of those things have just gone out the window and, and all we're learning is this other stuff uh, about our... Now, here are a few things that you need to write down. Family is the base for moral values. Yes. Family is the base for education. Family is... Now, I said family is the base for value. Yeah. Not moral value, but value. Value. For example, many of our kids that have got... A, a, when we get to you should not murder, I'm going to open that particular commandment up. You will be amazed. See, it is in families that kids get to have their identity affirmed. Mm. Most of the identity crisis we have yeah. is because of the breakdown in the family. Yes. So family is the base for value. Family is the base for education. Family is the base for morality. Family is the base for righteous traditions and customs. Mm. Righteous traditions and customs are communicated through the family. Without it, there's not going to be a way to, uh, to be able to build solid society. So the commandment of God is to, for, to be able to build godly societies. Yes. That's why it starts with honor. Yeah. That which you honor, you receive from. Now, what does honor look like? When a child is little, they obey their parents because their parents is they're guiding them in a way to identify how to make right decisions. Now, I'm saying so long as the parents themselves were informed by their parents, or if the parents didn't inform you, God is still here as this fundamental source of information. Mm. Now, so uh, in that sense, um, so what was I saying? So that's when you're still little. When you grow up, you get to the age of decision, age of knowing right from what is wrong. Now, the parents stay in the position of counselors. Yeah. Hey, that decision they Mm -mm, that might cause you a few troubles. Now, how do you honor the parents? You listen to them. Yeah. Even if you think you're smart than Einstein, 
you pay attention and you listen to them and take into consideration because they've been here before you. Yeah. And if you have a different point of view, don't just say you parents are stupid, which has become people, th- you know, teenagers think they can just say they, the parents are stupid and that's enough. All right. So that you can then engage in the process of drawing from their experience to make the best decision you can make. Yeah. That's honoring your parents. Then you don't make the same mistakes twice. That's right. And another way of honoring your, your parents is after you have left their home, the house, you need to continue to go and show them appreciation. Mm. Visit your parents very often. You know, bring them, bless them with gifts. Just, it, it doesn't matter even if you, you disagree with them. They may have taken a part, you disagree. But you just say, look, mom and dad, I just come often back here to say thank you because you gave birth to me. Mm. You taught me the first building block of life. I want to continue to be thankful. When you do that, your children will thank you all the same. So honoring is not that hard. You need to honor your parents. And I'll tell you what, you will live long in the land the Lord has given you. Okay, well, I think that's a really good place to finish. Are we continuing on with this next week or are we going on to the next We have the next commandment to look at. The next commandment to look at. Well, thank you very much, uh, Samuel, for uh, your teaching again today. And if anybody wants to uh, engage with us in any way, you can uh, go to our website. Um, a reasonable Christianity dot com, yep. um, or you can uh, have a chat to Samuel on his Facebook page if you want to as well. You can also find us on our Facebook page, A Reasonable Christianity. Yes, and that there you can find everything: our services, our times, our soup kitchens, and everything, and all everything that we're else. providing in the community. Yes, yes. so we will. Uh, well, well, we'll be back next week with another program on uh, Q and A with Samuel. Suffering, he came to set the captives free, the cornerstone that all of us rejected. He walked his cross to Calvary, he breathed his last between two thieves, he broke the power of death when he resurrected. Was lost, but now we're found. Was blind, but now I see. His name is Jesus, His name is freedom He's broken every chain, washed away every stain His name is mercy, His name is worthy Worthy to take my place, oh what amazing grace And he will wipe our tears away No more darkness, no more pain forever And every knee will bow And every tongue confess His name is Jesus His name is freedom He's broken every chain Washed away
broken every chain. And uh, join Pastor Samuel and Alita Robinson at the same time next week and be part of a reasonable Christianity.